Good morning, church. It's good to gather together to worship God and to encourage each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to begin our time of worship together, as is our custom, reading God's word to each other and encouraging one another with these words. So let's read this together from Philippians 2. We're going to read verse 5 through 11 together. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thank you. Would you be seated and let's be encouraged by the choir's words.
Amen. And as we've gotten a taste of Jesus' name being lifted up, let's continue to do that together as we stand and sing. We're going to learn a new song together this morning. And so, as you, there are several verses, so as you hear it and get used to it, feel free to sing along with us. Come and stand before the maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold his power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of our praise. Rejoice! Sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. We are children of the promise, the beloved of the Lord. One with everlasting kindness, bought with sacrificial love. Bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know the affection of a father who will never let them go. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. All our sickness, all our sorrows, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us, He is walking with us still. Turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. There is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed. Rejoice when you cry to Him, He hears your voice. He will wipe away your tears. Rejoice in the midst of suffering, He will help you see. Rejoice.
praise is worthy to all praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. so glad that you're here. As always, we'd like to encourage worship through giving. If you'd like to give, there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is, is online. You can pull out a card in front of you that looks like this. This is our online giving card. With this card, you can scan that QR code with your phone. That'll take you to our online giving page. If you'd prefer to give in person, there are black boxes on the back wall of the sanctuary in here. You can drop a gift in. You can also write to P.O. Box 92, Hebron, Kentucky, 41048. Or you can drop it to the office Monday through Thursday, 9 to 430, or Friday, 9 to noon. Well, we're going to join together in prayer now, and I invite you to please pray with me. Good morning, Father. Lord, we worship you. We worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit today, rejoicing in what you've done and who you are. We give you thanks. And today, specifically, we think of our core value, our church core value of meaningful membership. Lord, we thank you for your beautiful design of the local church. We thank you that here at Hebrew Baptist Church, you've brought together uh, an incredible collection of men and women, of children, of old and young, people who love you. We have so many diversities and, and different giftings and personalities, but our common love is that of you and each other. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to go through this life alone on our own, but you've given us brothers and sisters in Christ to go through the hard times, the, the good times, to pray for each other, to rejoice together. And we pray that you continue to put us together like a puzzle made of many different pieces that we would be on a single mission to love you and to share your love with those around us. Lord, this morning we pray not only for ourselves, but we pray for those across the globe in London worshiping you in Mosaic Multicultural Church. We pray for pastor and church planter Alex Brito. Bless Alex, we pray. Bless his congregation. We pray that their membership there would be sweet and that you would use them as a bright and powerful light for you, that revival would come in London and through that influence to the nations. Lord, please bless and be present today at Mosaic Multicultural Church. Our hearts, Lord, continue to go out to those in Ukraine. We pray for peace in the Ukraine-Russia conflict. We pray for government leaders. We ask that you would guide them to resolutions to peace. We pray for, for people who have experienced great loss, loss in family members, loss in physical uh, things like houses, those who need basic necessities. We pray that you would provide for their needs, that you bring healing. Lord, we pray that you would be with, with believers there in Ukraine and in Russia, that you would strengthen their faith, be with local churches, be with missionaries, comfort them, be present, and use this dark time to draw many to know you as Savior, Jesus. 
Finally, Lord, we pray for our greatest need, and that is we need a relationship with you. We have sinned against you, Father. We have all fallen short of your holy standards, and we deserve your judgment. But you have given a hand of friendship toward us. You've offered that to us through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for his life, for his perfect life, for his willing sacrifice on the cross, taking our sin upon him, dying in our place, and for his resurrection, breaking the power of sin. We pray that you would wash us with his blood, make us new, make us clean, and bless us in a knowledge of you. We continue to worship you and praise you today. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And as we think about the fact that God, uh, as we've confessed our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us, let's celebrate together the sacrifice of Christ and the, the reconciliation that we can experience.
good news. Illumine our 
magnify Jesus Christ. Come, renewing our faith, changing our lives with your words of life. Amen, Lord. Renew our faith and change our lives. We pray in Christ's name. check our pulses. Everybody good this morning? All right. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. I'm Pastor Sean, and I am glad that you're here. If you would open up in your copy of God's Word or in your devices to Isaiah chapter 3. Isaiah chapter 3. And if you are, uh, if you'd like to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, it's page 602. 602. And in particular today, I'd encourage you to get in a copy of, your, of the Bible, either, um, I would, I'd advise that every Sunday, but particularly this Sunday, uh, as we're going to read kind of a longer passage, and so uh, it will help you from wandering in your mind. And so if you have a device or a Bible, uh, that would be good for you to follow along this morning. We're continuing in our series of Isaiah, the first 12 Chapters. We're going to be taking a break next week for our celebration of our 60th anniversary. But throughout the summer, that's where we're going to camp for a while. God's word to his people. And so we're, today we're going to look at actually the message of chapters 3 and 4 together. As it is a message that has, God has given us that says when loss is a gain. Loss is a gain. That's what we're going to think through today. Let's read beginning in verse 1 of chapter 3. Note this, the Lord God of armies is about to remove from Jerusalem and from Judah every kind of security, the entire supply of bread and water, heroes and warriors, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, commanders of 50 dignitaries, counselors, cunning magicians and necromancers, I will make youth their leaders, and unstable rulers will govern them. The people will oppress one another, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will act arrogantly towards the old, and the worthless towards the honorable. A man will even seize his brother in his father's house, saying, You have a cloak, you be our leader. This heap of rubble will be under your control. On that day he will cry out, saying, I'm not a healer. I don't even have food or clothing in my house. Don't make me the leader of the people. For Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because they have spoken and acted against the Lord, defying his glorious presence. The look on their faces testifies against them. And like Sodom, they flaunt their sin and do not conceal it. Woe to them, for they have brought disaster on themselves. Tell the righteous that it will go well for them, for they will eat in the fruit of their labor. Woe to the wicked! 
it will go badly for them. What they have done will be done to them. Youth suppress my people and women rule over them. My people, your leaders mislead you. They confuse the direction of your paths. The Lord rises to argue the case and stands to judge the people. The Lord brings this charge against the elders and the leaders of his people. You have devastated the vineyard, the plunder from the poor in your houses. Why do you crush my people and grind the faces of the poor? This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The Lord also says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, walking with heads held high and seductive eyes, prancing along, jingling their ankle bracelets, the Lord will put scabs on their head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will shave their foreheads bare. On that day, the Lord will strip their finery, ankle bracelets, headbands, crescents, pendants, bracelets, veils, headdresses, ankle jewelry, sashes, perfume bottles, amulets, signet rings, nose rings, festive robes, capes, cloaks, purses, garments, linen clothes, turbans, and shawls. Instead of perfume, there will be a stench. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of beautifully styled hair, baldness. Instead of fine clothes, sackcloth. Instead of beauty, branding. Your men will fall by the sword, your war warriors in battle. Then her gates will lament and mourn deserted. She will sit on the ground. And on that day, seven women will seize one man, saying, Will we eat your own bread and provide your own clothing? Just let us bear your name. Take away our disgrace. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of Israel's survivors. Whoever remains in Zion and whoever is left in Jerusalem will be called holy. All in Jerusalem written in the book of life. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of burning, then the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day and glowing flame of fire by night over the entire site of Mount Zion and over its assemblies. For there will be a canopy over all the glory, and there will be a shelter for shade from heat by day, and refuge and shelter from storm and rain. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as you come and speak truthfully to your people, God, speak truthfully to our hearts today. We know today as we come to your word, it has been given to us. Though given to a people in ancient times, is as fresh as this morning's newspaper to us. Because in it is life. And because in it is your word. And your word is truth. So Lord, as we gather in your name, May your spirit use your word to pierce our hearts and to change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there is a saying that is a saying because we would all agree that it is true. The saying is, no pain, no gain. Ask anyone who is an athlete, ask anyone who is losing, trying to lose weight, 
Anyone who's trying to achieve a goal in academics or ask anyone who is trying to rehab an injury. When there is pain, there is gain. But ultimately, we know if there is no pain, there's often no gain. In our spiritual lives, often there is no pain, there is no gain. As Christians, we understand that suffering comes to us for a reason and a purpose for our gain, for our good. Can I tell you something exciting? That all the world, people who follow, follow every other religion and those who reject any form of Christianity are missing out because as Christians, we have found the secret recipe, the secret sauce, the understanding for helping us to believe and know why there is suffering in the world. We know that suffering, as the Bible tells us, should be our joy. Now, that's things that we don't like to hear and read in the Bible, but the Bible tells us that because we as Christians know that suffering is not for, an, for no reason, that it has, uh, has no plan, no purpose, but actually suffering comes with a purpose and with an understanding. And as Christians, we hear, see, read the Bible and understand that there is, we can have joy in suffering because we know that all pain and suffering is overseen by the plan of a sovereign and good God. That he is in control. And God allows suffering for three different reasons. One, we know that suffering results in the world because sin is in the world. When we read the Bible, we see that once Adam and Eve sinned, that sin, sin entered the world, that it just did not impact humanity, but spilled out into all of nature. And so all of nature is under sin, and therefore sin is happening and impacting the world. Therefore, sometimes when we suffer, it is just the result of living in a sinful world. Secondly, we know that sin happens or, or suffering happens because as believers, we know that God is refining us to look more like Jesus. We read the whole book of Job. Some of you, I think somebody, some D group is reading Job right now. That in Job, there was nothing that Job did, but God, we read, used it to refine Job and to display his glory. In suffering, we know God is refining us to send away all the, even the dross of, of, of all impurities so that we look more and more like Jesus. But third, we also know the Bible tells us that suffering is a reality because suffering is the consequence of our own sin. We know sin separates, it separates us from God. We know sin separates us from other people. We know that sin is rejecting God's good way for us and choosing our own way that normally and usually leads to death and destruction. 
So therefore, when we sin, we know that the reality of that sin, God disciplines us so that we would walk away from sin. The Bible tells us that God is a good father disciplining us so that we would walk away and reject sin and follow his good way. So, here, as we read the book of Isaiah, chapters 3 and 4, we see that this understanding, what God is telling the people, is a result of their sin. That he is disciplining them so that they might reject uh, their way of sitting against him, sinning his ways, and that the consequence of their action is they, he is bringing judgment against them. Here we see that the prophecy of Isaiah had been received because he is warning and telling the people that God is going to take away and punish them for their sin so that he might draw them back into their, his love and grace. When we read this, we probably can look back in our lives and see where God disciplined us that we might come back to his love and grace. In the same way that God is saying to the Israelites, to his people here, he is saying to us that maybe you today are going through suffering and trial because you admit fully that you have been disobeying God and he is saying to you, come back and trust me. Or maybe he's preparing you or warning you so that you don't go down that path and that he has to discipline us for our sin. Sometimes we might think, especially as we read through chapter 3, God dealt severely with his people. I mean, saying that he's going to put scabs on women's head, that is a pretty harsh road, right? We see that God dealt severely, and sometimes he does, but it's only because his love is so intense that he will settle for nothing less than our salvation. Our pain is so intense for our good because it leads to our growth. It leads to eternal life. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, pictures it and helps us to see that we get this because God is changing us and often painfully because he wants to indwell us and we want the benefit of that. This is what he says in Mere Christianity. Imagine yourself living in a house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abdominally and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house than the one you thought of. 
throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be in a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. Brother, sister, could you be suffering because God is growing you right now? Are you going through something painful because admittedly you are disobeying him? Remember, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is residing in you. There may need rooms for him. And it may be painful. But the Spirit has moved in. and God has taken residence. In this passage, we are reminded that there is pain often to bring the gain. And in this passage, there are three things that we lose so that we may gain. You ready? All right. Number one, when we lose our stability, we gain by turning to God. When we lose our stability, we gain by turning to God. Now, verses 1 through 15, we see a pretty heavy-handed judgment of God on his people. When we say loss is gain, we mostly like to concentrate on the gain, don't we? <laughs> God, just show us a lesson. Show us what we're supposed to learn here. But there is loss. There is pain. And the reality is, pain is pain. It hurts. In chapter 3 through verse, chapter 4, verse 1, God brings the pain. He is saying to people, because you have been unfaithful to me, you have entrusted in other things other than me, I am going to humiliate you. I'm going to turn things down. I'm going to remove them from your life and show you that these things never should have been trusted in the first place. And he's going to show how foolish we are. Verse 1, how do we know this? He says, I will remove every security. Everything that is stable, everything that you think your life is built on that isn't me, I'm going to remove. So when God, whatever we have created for ourselves, security, God is going to take away so that we might have faith in him. If you look at these first 15 verses, you see a wide variety of things that God takes away. Verse 1, you see food and water. Verse 2 and 3, and actually many other verses in here that he is taking away leaders, warriors, and politicians, protection, leadership, vision. Verse 3, magicians and mediums. In later verses, we see that these inexperienced leaders are then put forward so that these inexperienced bad leaders lead these people actually into more punishment and more dread. The reality is, is God is restore, or revealing all of the things that we put our security in and says, these are not me. And you have made idols out of them. And you've got to see that these things are not me. And these things will fail you. 
What are some of these things? Well, food and water. I mean, we could argue, God, we need this sustenance. We need provision. God, why are you taking what we think is just fundamental to our being? Why would you take these away? Because he says, you have forgotten who gives them to you. You think you're so good and of yourself that this is owed to you, but I am the one who gives these to you. Trust in me. Trust in me for your daily bread. Trust in me to provide for you. Trust in me. Mediums and magicians. I, I don't have a neighborhood magician. I don't have a, a medium, but we often know that we look to other things. People, even Christians I've heard said, well, I've checked my horoscope today and things look like things are going to go well. Some look to social media to, to get the, the curb of the day to see what am I supposed to be for today? If I look at what's popular on there, what's the culture there for? I will be for that today. There's often things that we put our faith in that is not God and God says, I'm going to wipe all that away. Many put their hope in the next elected leader or the next big vote hopefully this next person this this other person that we that we elect or put in uh, surely they are going to be the answer to what we need surely they are the one that are going to fix things right and, and I, i've been a part of the process for a long time and i i don't see the next person ever fixing things do you the reality is is that we think that that next leader is going to be that trick and people put their whole stake in life on it that when their their leader or their person that they're pulling for doesn't win and they're they're crying or upset and 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 we the reality is is that none of these leaders except for what god has ordained for their leadership and their lives does not matter God is the true king. God is working all things out. And they should be looking to him for the way to lead our world. doesn't mean that Christians aren't supposed to vote their values or to be part of a biblical process of democracy. We have the opportunity to choose our leaders. That is important and good to, to know the candidates and know who we should vote for biblically. But it is not an ultimate thing. If our person wins or that person wins, we're not devastated because God is our king. Even ultimately, as we know, as the Supreme Court, we know is, is about to rule against abortion. Many of us are excited about the, the results of what could happen, but the reality is, even in that rightful or good decision, doesn't mean sin is leaving the world. We're still in need of help. We still need Christ. The problem is, is so many people try to trust in things of this world instead of the things of God. The reality is, is what this world needs is not politicians or political legislation. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the only way that happens is when faithful Christians share the gospel and that faithful churches do the Great Commission. We must be careful in the things that we have truly trusted in for security because if it's not God, we're going to look foolish. Every time we trust ourselves, we lead to ruin. But God gives abundance and good things. Jesus 
tells us this in John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So everything that is not of God is for our detriment. But God, Jesus says, I have come so that they might have life and live it abundantly. This is Christ saying to us, come to me. Seek first the kingdom. So brothers and sisters, there are things in your life that you trust for security instead of God. Is it your bank account? Is it a relationship? Is it political ideals of the right or the left? Was there a time in your life that there was something you put so much security in that you thought your whole world rested in that and then it was pulled away? How did you feel? Well, brother and sister, if it's not God, you're going to feel the same way but even worse when all things are revealed. So in the same way, God has punished and is hurting those that put their security in other things. So he wipes away our security so we come to him. But also, number two, when we lose our pride, we gain a heart for the glory of God. When we lose our pride, we gain a heart for the glory of God. Now, verse 16 to chapter 4, verse 1, God puts a, puts a magnifying glass on the way that vanity and pride reveals itself. What he is saying here is that things that we pride for ourselves in, that we trust are the most, when we say it's all about me, we take the glory off of God and put the spotlight on ourselves. And he uses this example of the women and how they dressed and how they behaved as an example of pride and outward vanity and how that can be the trappings of pride. That when we take pride in false things of ourselves, that we put ourselves out there for people to make much of us, then we have stopped making much of God. That we've stopped giving God the glory, that putting to Him the glory that He is deserving. So as you read verse 16 through verse 1, chapter 4, God takes away the things specifically here that women have for outward vanity. So verse 16, he talks about uh, the, what they're wearing, how they look, how they put their hair. You know, I have that problem, have all the different options that I have for my hair. Verse 16 talks, though, about the beauty of their garments and the way that they carry themselves. He says, in which way? With haughty, uh, the, the, the women of Zion are haughty, walking, with their heads high. So what is he saying? That these, these women, and ultimately all of us, think a lot of ourselves often, don't we? That we put a lot of faith in who we are, what we project, what we put out there, that it's all about us. And in verse 16, he talks about the beauty of their garments, the way they carry themselves, but the, the root is pride. That we're finding our identity and people glorifying us instead of people glorifying God in us. 
When we take pride in what we accomplish and what we do, we need to guard ourselves, not to take pride in the vanity of our looks or our health or our bodies or what we accomplish or how we seem to other people. This is why Peter addresses this and the root of this in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 to 4. He says, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather... What is inside the heart? The imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is great worth in God's sight. What is Peter telling women there? Be careful that you're not glorifying yourself instead of glorifying God in your heart. That you are doing what God wants you to do. Boy, we all do this. Athletes take pride in their performance. And each week they, they compete. What are they worried about? What are the people in the crowd going to say? What are the media writers are going to say? What are people going to tweet about me now? There's a constant, uh, immediate reaction. If they're not doing what they're supposed to do, that they're living for what people think of them. And then what happens? It affects their performance. And then they can't. uh, uh, they get worse and then it becomes this vicious cycle that it's all about what other people think same way that people who value looks we all live in an age that nothing changes and nothing i mean excuse me nothing stays the same we realize our bodies are going to change that nothing is going to stay in the same place or how it's going to look But people spend many amounts of money to change and to look a certain way because why? They want what others to look at them in a particular way. Academics are concerned about what what honor list they're on or what best research grant they're on because they want other people to think a lot about them. But also many other things. What our house looks like. What our car looks like. They're all status symbols in many times for what people think of us. That we have the glory put on us. And what God is saying is he is going to humble us because we are taking the glory for ourselves instead of him. We are saying we are more valuable because of what we do in athletics. We are more valuable because of our looks. We are more valuable because of our bank accounts. We are more valuable uh, than in this way because of what people think of us instead of what God thinks of us, what God has done for us, that God is in us, that God has created us for him. Brother and sister, this is a fundamental thing about God that we need to know. He is jealous for his glory. That he wants the world to glory only in him and that when we try to rob the glory to ourselves we are taking that glory away from God and in the same way God says you are rejecting me because there is none like him there is no one that can compete because he only deserves all the glory and praise brother or sister is there something in your life that you are taking pride in other than God? Do you often remind yourself and believe that there is no good in you apart from God in you? 
Or do you always project what you've accomplished, what you are, and these ways of putting yourself out? Brothers and sisters, be careful of the pride of vanity and how we look at others because if we try to gain reward from them instead of the glory of God, then we will look foolish and God will punish us. We look at how he did that. He just took it away. Not only just said, okay, you're going to you know, gain a couple of wrinkles and you're, you're going to do this here and there. You're, I'm putting scabs on your head. I'm taking out your forehead. The very thing that you took pride in, I am taking away. We must be careful that God will not humble us in the same way. Therefore, we must humbly respond. In which way? Well, God gives us hope. God gives us hope in verse 2 of chapter 4. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of Israel's survivors. Whoever remains in Zion, whoever is left in Jerusalem, will be called holy. And all in Jerusalem, written in the book of life. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the blood guilt from the heart of Jerusalem by the spirit of judgment and the burning of, spirit of burning, then the Lord will create a cloud of smoke by day a glowing flame, a fire by night over the entire site of Mount Zion and over its assemblies. For there will be a canopy over all the glory and there will be a shelter for shade from heat by day and a refuge and shelter from storm and rain. Oh, brother and sister, what good news. In the midst of all of what we have read so far, and all the ways that we have put our security in other things, and all the ways that we've put our pride ahead of God, in all of these things, we see that God will systematically wipe all these things away. But if our hope is in the branch of the Lord, contrary to all the things that we put our trust in, contra all the securities, contra all the pride, all of these things, it will be reordered because in glory, God will be our perfection. God will be our satisfaction. God will be everything to us. Not the securities that fade, not the pride of our life, not of these things, but God himself. What glorious good news. What is this? Well, the branch of the Lord is the messianic reference to Christ. It talks to the, a branch, a branch of the Davidic line who has come and will be on the throne forever and ever. And those who are in him, it says, will be forever a resident of Zion. And in this, contra the false beauty that we read in chapter 3, that we see the true beauty that is in Christ. It is in him that we see that is all good. Despite all of our trying to, to gain security from the world, we see what is truly beautiful, and that is him. 
That this Christ who died for us, this Christ who was perfect and died on the cross, taking the sin of those who had rejected God, the beauty that this slain lamb took upon all of our sin so that we might live forever. And it's in this beauty that we know that we can be fulfilled and satisfied and happy and it will all be perfect. And then he paints this beautiful picture that we could be out in the land where all of this judgment and all of this sin and all of this pain is going on or what does God do? That once he cleanses us and our hearts he will create a cloud of smoke by day and a glowing flame of fire by night in the entire site of Mount Zion there will be a canopy over the glory what is God painting a picture here he is painting a picture and reminding of what we read in Exodus when God's very presence with, with his people in the wilderness leading them by day as a smoke of fire and by night as smoke and by night fire. That the same imagery of the temple when it, when it, was, erect, uh, resur- uh, it was erected that, that the smoke determined and showed the presence of God with his people. But what do we read in the final day? Even greater, that God will tabernacle with his people. That he puts this picture of the of this wedding canopy over his people. That God will come and commit himself and dwell with him. And his presence will be with us forever. That God is moving towards a time when his glorious presence will cover the whole church and all local gatherings of believers, and that all the glory of this, in verse 5, hinting at our intimacy and joy of God. The display of his glory will not be intimidating as it was on Mount Sinai. And it will not be as fearful and distant as it was in the desert. But instead, we will live presence of God and we will realize that all will be perfect because we are living in his all encompassing love Jonathan Edwards gives a snapshot when he says there the glorious God is manifested and shines forth in full glory in beams of love and there this glorious fountain forever flows forth its streams yea in rivers of love and delight and these rivers swell as it were in an ocean of love in which the souls of the ransom may bathe with the sweetest enjoyment and their hearts as it were be deluged with love Brothers and sisters, let's go swimming in that ocean. Today, we need to be reminded that God brings us pain so that we would reject the things that are false and failing and hurtful and not of Him to draw us into what is His unending love.
So today, friend, if you are here and you're far from God, I hope you see this ocean of overwhelming love. That Jesus died for sinners. And he took the pain and the punishment that you deserved and I deserved and died on the cross for it. That because he loves us, he went to the grave but was raised three days later to show that he has victory over sin and death. And in that, those who trust in him will never perish but be with him in unending joy. There's nothing that you can take, put your place, your trust in that will satisfy you. Not your trust in sexuality or success or looks or good works or relationships or anything that you build your foundations on other than him. And the only way to gain life is to lose it and to trust in him. So friend, if you're here, I encourage you to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will gain it all in him. Trust and put your faith in his work on the cross and be forever his. But brother and sister in Christ, I hope you are reminded that there is nothing in your life as a Christian that is truly secure other than Christ. Is there anything in your life right now keeping you from the joy and from the grace and the growth that is in Christ that God desires for you? Is there something that God is causing pain that he is trying to pull from you because you have placed your trust in it, not him? Is there pain you need to give up so that you may gain joy in Christ? Well, brother or sister, maybe your attitude should be found in the same words of Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Brother, sister, it's time to release that thing that you've put your trust in, as painful as it is to put your trust in God. Let us be thankful that the Lord disciplines us because he loves us. Even when it's painful that he's drawing us to himself. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your words, often words that we don't want to hear because it reveals to us where we have falsely put our hearts. God, I pray today that as we all evaluate our hearts that we would see the goodness and the joy that comes from turning and trusting in you alone. I pray for anyone here or watching at home that needs to know you as Savior. And Lord, today would be the day of their salvation that they would put their faith in you. God, I pray for those of us who are believers that maybe have been distracted or built our own kingdoms that we would understand if you wipe them away because you are drawing us to your heart. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us in your son.
And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? And we'll sing together about the, the rock that we have in Christ Jesus. Rock of Ages 
First of all, guests, we're glad that you're here this morning. If this is your first time, make sure you stop by our Next Steps desk because we have a gift waiting for you. It's out the double doors to the immediate left. Uh, we'd love to connect with you there and also make sure that you uh, get your gift this morning before you leave. Also, if you've been visiting with us for a while or would like to know more about joining the church or about the vision and values of the church, uh, the new members class will uh, take place this Wednesday and next Wednesday at 6.30, at 6.30. If you plan to take part in this class, make sure you go by the Next Steps desk. Uh, there's a book and some paperwork to pick up before uh, that you have done before the first class. Uh, and let them know uh, there if you need child care, as we will provide for that there as well. Next Sunday is going to be a special Sunday in the life of our church as we celebrate our 60th anniversary. Uh, our actual anniversary was back in December, uh, but because of it being December, we wanted to do it where, you know, it's nicer outside and we could do some more things. And so uh, next Sunday will be that day. So we look forward to celebrating together next week. Uh, so uh, it'll be a special day. A lot of uh, uh, former pastors and staff people will be back. And so uh, we'll be looking forward to next week. Again, Vacation Bible School is coming upon us quickly. So if you can volunteer to help as a guide, uh, meaning walk kids from station to station uh, we need your help so see uh, Christy uh, she's not here today but I, but you can go sign up across the hallway to that we do still need some volunteers for that area also today is gospel to every home at four o'clock if you've never done that come out today we'll put you with someone who knows how to do it and has been doing it and uh, we have uh, the Lord has been gracious to us impacting lives uh, as we go um, and people coming to our church and joining and people coming to be baptized and so uh, please come be a part of that important ministry of our church this week we also want to invite you to be a part of a zoom meeting that we're having with the Richard family down in Argentina so if you want to get caught up with what they're doing and what ministry is going on we're going to set out send out excuse me a link this week uh, so that you can join us at eight o'clock on the 19th so that's eight o'clock this Thursday night and so we hope that you can join us to be part of that um, one other quick thing today is the deadline for camp for student ministry for those who need to pay the remaining balance make sure you do that today you can see uh, Kyle over there or make sure you get that to Kay today and then finally the business meeting today we're going to probably meet here about 10 ish minutes so allow those if you've got children go get them get their uh, you know make sure that the volunteers can come up but we will break and uh, you can get the information outside for that we'll see you here in a few minutes thank you god bless you and go with the name of christ and the gospel as you go god bless